Well, here I am, and I'm given grinchiness to preach. But I have to tell you, I personally don't feel too grinchy because I went and cut down a Christmas tree at a Christmas tree farm yesterday. But before that, I might have done. But then, and then Rachel laid out these like warm, woolly, teddy bear Christmas socks. And so I'm not feeling grinchy. But that's okay. We're still going to talk about grinchiness. And Brandon, you did an amazing job of opening that up. So thank you again. So we have um, a message today, and it's going to come from Paul's church in Philippi. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited uh, to talk to you about them. One of the things, that there were a couple of things that were going on in this church. There, there, were, there were some false uh, preachers that had, that had tried to kind of infiltrate this church. And, and when, they, when they did this, it was kind of based on the fact that they wanted the, the Gentiles, the Jewish leaders, uh, religious leaders, wanted the Gentiles to kind of uh, go along with, with their way of doing things, kind of step into the, the, the status quo of things. And, and so um, these uh, religious leaders were, were very grinchy, right, about um, how this church should actually operate. And there were some other things going on relationally, too, and we'll get to them. But I want you to hear a word from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. And they, too, had a song in their own worship. So I want you to hear this. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ in his love if his love has made any difference whatsoever in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, now listen to this, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, agree with each other, love each other, be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Now, I want you to think about this, this passage up to this point. Now, if, if Paul is using kind of these if then statements. Then I think Paul kind of already knows that this congregation that he's writing to in Philippi already have the potential, right, uh, to do these things that he's asking them to agree to. So I want you to hear these again. I think I think I want you to also think about them in our context and how we might hear them today. If Paul says You've gotten anything out of following Christ. So, crosswalk. Have you been getting anything out of following Christ? Otherwise, what does it matter if you do or don't? We should be getting something, yes? Thank you. One person should be getting something. <laughs> if you're online, I hope that there were way more yeses online this morning. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Now, if, Paul says, Christ's love has made any difference in your life, if nothing ever changes and we walk out of here the same week after week, church, and there's no transformation in us, then what's the point? Really, I mean, why even bother? Paul is asking, 
And listen, he continues, if being in a community of spirit means anything to you, it means that the community is vibrant and vital because the spirit, the breath of God, has been breathed and it's giving life in the community, right? And then Paul gets to a more core, a more central matter. If you have a heart, if you care. These two things matter so much. That's why we're going to talk about grinchiness, because these two things really get at the core of the matter. And then Paul, he starts describing his goals for them. If all of those things then agree with each other. Now, Paul doesn't mean some pie-eyed dream about every one of us thinking exactly alike. God, I hope Paul knows better than that. Amen? That's never going to happen. What he's talking about, rather, is this false teaching that's been happening. He's saying, hey, instead of that, get on the same page and get helpful about this. What is our church's mission statement? Can you tell me? Loving all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're new here this morning, I hope you're impressed that this church can say that mission statement. I hope that you can. It sounds a lot like Paul's next statement, though. Then, if all of those things, then love each other. For us, that would mean us getting on the same page about what it means to love all people. Then, he says, be deep spirited friends in other words let the spirit breathe into your friendships then he says don't push your way to the front my kids do this sometimes any of you had kids that do that we'll be going somewhere and one of them will push the other one back because they want to be first but nothing makes me more proud than one of them says here you go first My little boy does that sometimes. Then he says, don't sweet talk your way to the top. Ever done this before? You flattered someone as a means of manipulating them in a a way to get what you want? No, none of you, ever. (laughs) I believe you about as much of that as I did the other thing. (laughs) Then, Paul says, don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Now, Paul warns them. Clearly, he is concerned about how some of them are trying to get ahead in life. He's addressing this Pharisaic Jews directly. Don't be conceited. Don't succumb to selfish ambition. He's saying, don't make this your priority. He's saying, if you really want to get ahead, then forget yourself long enough to actually be helpful. You want to get ahead? Help others, according to Paul. You want to get ahead? Sing this song. And then this scripture verse takes a turn, and it goes into the Christ hymn. This is an actual song. Here's how it goes. If, by the way, if, the, if this scripture passage were like a Disney movie, <laughs> this would be the let it go, let it go, right? Right? 
It would be, it would be what Brandon just saying. He's a mean one. If this were a Dr. Seuss tale, right? This would be it. This would be that part. You would know it because it would play over and over in your head and you would know it. So this congregation would have known it just like that. Think of yours. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it doesn't really fit. Their poetry is weird in, Hebrew, uh, so in, in, um, in Greek. Uh, think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And then they repeat it. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever, so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all, to the glorious honor of God the Father. And so this brings us to our centering question today, a question that should stop us in our tracks just two weeks before Christmas, a question that we don't need to take lightly based on what Paul just offered to us about Jesus Christ, because he loved, because Jesus came down at Christmas, he limited himself experienced all the things that we experience as humans and then some and remained selfless and obedient even to his death on a cross and then was exalted high by God. Here's the question. Have you prepared your heart to receive Christ? Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, Lord, thank you for Paul, and thank you for your version of Let It Go, the Christ hymn. Thank you that you pause us in the midst of our busyness of this Advent season. Thank you that you allow us to grapple with this scripture. And thank you that you've laid this question on our heart this morning. Help us, Lord, to be prepared in our hearts to receive your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. It's the second Sunday of Advent. Can you believe it? For those of you who may have never celebrated Advent before, or maybe you've never even heard the word Advent before, it comes from the Latin word Adventus. It means coming. Before Christ... Israel had been anticipating a Messiah who had been promised by God to them and the prophets had also promised the Messiah, such as Isaiah, he was one of them, others too. And so Adventus 
the Adventists that they had been waiting for was Jesus Christ. Now, while Santa is certainly a wonderful guy, I'm nothing against Santa, I actually kind of like him. And, and, and although Santa has a very big heart, I think, as big as, well, the world, we Christians believe that there is one who is even greater and who has the biggest heart ever known. The season of Advent is our way of preparing our Adventus for Jesus' coming. We spend the Christmas season reliving the central story of our faith, God coming in the form of a baby in a manger in Bethlehem to save us all from Satan's power. We live in the reality that Jesus will one day come again, and like Paul's congregation, we're now waiting for it year-round. And it excites me. It excites me that from someone today, you may have just learned something new about Christmas. There is something else that we can teach you, we Christians, about Christmas as well. And although he's a very unlikely fellow, perhaps you know him. Brandon did a fantastic job of introducing you to him. It's none other than the Grinch. Now let me tell you about this Grinch. This Grinch is a bitter, grouchy character. He's a creature, and he lives way up in a cave on a snowy mount crumpet, which overlooks Whoville. And in Whoville, there is the home of the little Who's. And they're so sweet and so merry and so warm-hearted. And it is often said that because of this hermit lifestyle, though, that this Grinch lives, his heart is described as two sizes too small. Hence, he has the name Mr. Grinch. So what can Mr. Grinch teach us, Crosswalk, about Christmas? Well, it might help if we start by defining Grinch and Grinchiness. And let me throw out a definition at you and see if it sticks. Perhaps Grinchiness is simply anti-Christ-ness. Don't believe me? Think about it. Anti-Christmas. A Grinch is opposed to Christmas and joyful hearts, right? The Grinch from his snowy, cold cave on Mount Crumpet plotted to exploit their beloved Santa by slipping on a faux Santa suit and sliding down the chimney of the unexpecting Who's. That's my first argument. A Grinch is controlled by their circumstances. The Grinch was lonely and cold and cold-hearted. He was isolated, too, way above Whoville, always looking down on them, always thinking he was better than them. He had his loyal dog, too, Max, but that loyalty was a one-way relationship. All the Grinch really cared about was his own conceit and his own ambition. Maybe the Grinch was a false teacher, Either way, his circumstances had complete control of him. Another argument I have, a Grinch is irritated 
by happiness. He listened in on the Christmas festivities of the Who, and it was like fingernails on a chalkboard to him. The laughing, the singing, the loudness. Now, if you're a parent in the room, you know what it's like to be irritated by happiness, don't you? <laughs> when your kids are all excited and they're all loud. Ugh, oh, this Grinch is so anti-Christ, must let me tell you. In fact, a Grinch's idea of celebrating is stealing joy and happiness of others. The Grinch devised a wicked scheme to go and steal their presents, their trees, even the food for the Christmas feast. The Grinch forced his loyal dog, Max, disguised him as a reindeer, and sent him to drag a sleigh down Mount Crumpet toward Whoville. And once at Whoville, the Grinch slid down the chimneys of the Who's and robbed them blind. He even concocted a crafty lie to escape from the home of little Cindy Lou, a little who, and then he cleaned out the whole town. Whoville's Christmas, their happiness, he thought, would be better off if he just threw it all in the abyss. So what is really behind all of this? What would motivate it? Some Grinch to steal all the happiness and loudness of Christmas from the Who's and throw it into the abyss. Well, let me ask you another question. What would motivate someone to file a lawsuit because their neighbor's Christmas lights were too spectacular and caused them a great inconvenience? What would motivate, friends, someone to file a lawsuit because his or her company Christmas card said Merry Christmas? What would motivate someone to file a lawsuit because the church's outdoor nativity scene somehow was offensive to their own religious freedom? Why would anybody be so anti-Christmas? I would argue with you, friends, that it's a simple matter, a matter of belonging. Friends, as you encounter the Grinches in your homes and in your neighborhoods and even in your mirrors, I want you to consider this truth. We all deeply long to belong. Can you say that? We all deeply long to belong. What we are really struggling with is the same problem that the Who's had. We've all missed the opportunity to invite others into our hearts and homes when we've been Grinchy. And in our moments of personal Grinchiness, we've missed inviting Jesus into Jesus' creation, into your heart, and into his home. So have we prepared our hearts to receive Christ? We've talked about grinchiness and it being anti-Christmas, but it's something else too. Grinchiness is the symptom of an unprepared heart. 
It is a heart that has not been prepared to receive Jesus. That is why we observe Advent, friends. That is why we gather for worship every week. If you are only coming to church once a month or not at all, if you are living in your own personal Mount Crumpet, you are missing an opportunity to prepare for the Adventus of Jesus. If you look in the mirror and you find someone who wants to steal the happiness and joy of Christmas and take their loud laughter and loud singing and their festivities, perhaps your heart isn't prepared to receive Jesus. It's one thing if something bad's happened, if you've lost someone. It's one thing if you've gone through some devastating situation. I am not talking about those people. I want to be clear. But I want to tell you also that there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot at stake here. The Christmas feast, for instance, the Christ meal for the Grinch, it ended up looking like this. Isn't that awesome? I'm so glad that it did. But for Christians, our Christ meal looks more like this. An old, beautiful cave, appointed beautifully with a stinky manger. There would have been hay. There would have been the real presence and real grace of Jesus Christ. We celebrate this meal at communion. We celebrate this at Christmas as well. We must be intentional to prepare our hearts for the joy of Jesus. We must be intentional. And so I ask you, Crosswalk, have you made a soft and tender place in your heart for Jesus today? Look at that. Jesus' love was so complete that even a manger is made appealing. We say it in our communion liturgy. Make us one. One with Christ. One. One with each other. One. One in ministry to all the world. You know, the truth is, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back at Christmas. And Jesus is coming back again in final victory over sin and death too. We have the greatest news in the world and it's good news for today. So let's prepare our hearts to receive Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. God, you are so right. You are so right about everything. Help us, God, to move toward others. Help us, God, put out our hands 
in our feet for you this Christmas. Help us, God, to be in ministry to every branch. And God, help us not to be the branch. But God, thank you that you love us even when we are the Grinch. <laughs> and thank you, God, that you came down, that you came down in such a humble way to heal our world of our Grinchiness. <laughs> thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>